Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Speak Up Erica podcast. And today, my guest is Jen. Yay! Yay! Hi, Hi Jen. Hey, Erica. Hey, everyone. Um, I'm super excited and honored to be here. I'm doing good. How are you? I'm good. Oh, thank you. Um, Before we get started, Jen, is it okay if you share a little bit about who you are and like about yourself? Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Jennifer. Um, I am a Toronto native and currently I'm working full time at a big five bank in Canada, um, working my way up in the corporate ladder, I guess I can say, and um, I'm enjoying my time so far. And uh, on the side, I like to do different types of things. I like to be outdoors. Um, I'm the type of person that likes to explore. So whether that be restaurants or um, events in the city, different festivals, um, definitely with COVID happening right now, it's a little bit more difficult. But I, I definitely do love to explore and travel, uh, meet new people, and just uh, really um, continue to self-improve and just enjoy doing the hobbies uh, that are, that keep me creative and uh, balanced in life, I guess. So that's, that's a little bit about who I am. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, Jen and I, we met through university. Uh, we both yep. went to University of Toronto. And I think, uh, did you take uh, CCIT as well? or? Yeah, so we were in like a, the similar department, but I, I did my specialist in the digital enterprise management. Oh, okay. Oh, no. So we were both in the same, just different year because I did DM yeah. as well. Oh, did you? Oh, yeah. okay, okay. I didn't, oh I didn't realize. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I didn't know that either. Yes. Awesome. So we're both from like a, I would say business communications program. That's like the yeah. best way to put it. I know. It's like one of those programs where it's like the jack of all trades, master of none one. But uh, right. yeah, I, there's so much exposure to it. Yeah. I know. Um. So thank you so much for introducing yourself. Uh, I think uh, we'll get into our topic for today. So we wanted to talk more about like overworking and how it, uh, how social media and overworking also go hand in hand. And then also talk a little bit about um, your involvement with the Vietnamese culture and the community. Yeah, that sounds like a plan. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Thanks for having me on the podcast. Oh, thanks, Jen. Um, so... Yeah, uh, I think we can start with social media. Um, with so, I feel like both of us are really involved in um, like our presence on social media, and I see that you collaborate with a lot of different uh, accounts on your personal feed as well. Could you chat more about like um, how it's like balancing work and social media for yourself? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a, a really um, interesting question. I haven't been asked this before, but mm-hmm. I definitely do think about it a lot because mm-hmm. um, I think uh, those two variables uh, working uh, professionally and um, balancing that with social media personally is uh, two worlds that definitely do collide and do take up some time and, and they both require, uh, I could say, equal amount of work sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um for me, uh, to your first question, I, I think for the working with uh, different brands or collaborating with uh, different businesses um, through Instagram specifically, that's the platform that I choose for social media. Mm-hmm. It's it's something that just kind of happened like by fluke, I would say. I work in a very different corporate setting. I work in uh, like the legal and compliance realm for for. Mm-hmm. Uh, financial institutions. So I I don't really get a chance to be creative or talk to a lot of different stakeholders, especially 
um, when it comes to uh, different products, the products that you should collaborate with uh, on Instagram or social media in general, it usually catered towards more for food events or uh, the beauty and cosmetic industry. So it's honestly by fluke that um, I get approached. I mean, my following is, is not substantial at all. And I don't really um, think of it as a professional uh, channel. I see it as very personal. And I, I think it, it kind of just goes in uh, hand in hand with my personality, a, a, a very a strong willingness to share, uh, whether that be sharing things about you know, uh, political stances that I believe in positively um, as well, or whether it be something super, like, super minor as, like, this is my favorite thing to drink from Starbucks. Uh, mm -hmm. It really depends on what I feel like sharing, but I just have this comfortability to want to share and to be willing to share because, to me, I find that potentially helpful for even just one person, or it just gives me an outlet to be creative. So I think um, along with that, brands maybe can see the, uh, if I can say the word like influence of word of mouth or um, kind of like the micro way of, uh, of marketing, I guess. And, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of it really just came from networking, not necessarily to receive free products or to collaborate with a brand, but it was networking in a sense of I have a very big interest in how people uh, sell their products, how businesses are ran. I just have this uh, very like natural attraction to entrepreneurs. And yeah. so I think when I just kind of like reach out and ask like, oh, like, how did you get started in this industry? What do you like about it? They kind of see like a genuineness and like, oh, this person actually wants to know more about my business. Well, why don't you try some of our products or uh, come experience our service and let us know what you think because your feedback could be valued. And so wow. I think, yeah, I think it kind of just starts like that. Like there's no intention of uh, promotional products or uh, paid advertisements or something like that. It was just more of a curiosity. And I guess with um, some things that I've done in my uh, philanthropic community, it's kind of led me to uh, meet different, uh, uh, like different business owners and like people who work in, in uh, marketing industries and stuff. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, I hope I answered the question, but the balance is, is definitely sometimes very difficult. Mm -hmm. Um, cause I don't know, like for me, I overthink sometimes if I, if I'm sharing too much or will this possibly get me in trouble at work? But of course I try to keep everything, um, minimal in the sense that it's uh, harmless things that I'm sharing and it's more, um, uh, it's, it's, it's more catered towards like food and, and beauty. So right. it's not, nothing too controversial or anything like that, but mm -hmm. it's definitely a strong, a difficult balance when everything is very technology based yeah. and, um, yeah, it's, it's hard to stay away from the screen sometimes, but it, it's, it's really important to disconnect too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I think, um, uh, it's cool that you, you kind of say that, oh, I don't like have that big of a following or anything, but I remember I was listening or watching something and they said that brands really value micro influencers more than sometimes larger, um, like larger accounts. Okay, yeah. yeah. I can see they, that, BB, yeah. They value it because they're able to connect with their audience on, like, a more deeper level, I guess, and, like, really oh, connect wow. with people. Yeah, so I think it's cool that you, like, you said that because there isn't, like, that other perspective that it's actually, it, I guess, more beneficial to be, like, considered as a micro-influencer with people who have, like, smaller followings. Yeah. 
That's actually interesting. You know, I talked to a friend of mine who owns um, a pizza shop, a small pizza shop, and and they kind of told me something similar too. And mm-hmm. and and I was really surprised by that. But I think to your point about um, uh, social media and and posting and uh, how I get approached, I think you're right. It's it is really about this intimate kind of like non cookie cutter standard of uh, engagement. Like it's because uh, I can see it too. Like over time that. Um, just based off of analytics on social media, mm-hmm. uh, companies or brands, when they request those type of analytics, they really do look at uh, the number of engagements or interactions that a, uh, um, if I can say blogger or, 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 or a figure would have versus like the number of likes. It really, exactly. it, it's deeper than that. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I realize that that's kind of what they look at more. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's interesting. Um, Jen, can I ask you what are ways that, um, you help limit your time on social media and try to get like a breather. I love that question, and I love that the question's coming from you because you're like the inspo for um, like self reflection and Zen. And you know, I know that you definitely take breaks from social media once in a while, and I think that's mm-hmm. a really great cleanse. Um, I wish I could do that more often. Mm-hmm. And I think that's definitely something that I'm um, working on right now and, and trying. But in terms of some tips or advice I would give on how to just take a break from it is, um, well, I grew up in Hamilton, technically. I was born and raised there. And so, oh. uh, yeah, so my childhood has been um, a lot, uh, has been, sorry, very exposed to nature. And um, I would go hikes, uh, go on hikes all the time. I would go chase the waterfalls as a kid. And then uh, I guess just slowly growing up and um just growing older with the technological advancements like mm-hmm. all of this has been uh very great but there's also some cons with it and so when i ever feel like i'm overwhelmed or or there's just so much information overload especially when it was during the time of the quarantine yeah. i saw myself um going outside a lot lot more um safely of course but i i really think it's important to have scheduled breaks i am I'm, i guess i'm unique in a sense where i like to really schedule my time and so unfortunately i'm pretty dependent on google calendar so um <laughs> i would you know put in like 15 to 30 minute breaks where uh, it would remind me like don't go on your phone during this time Mm -hmm. and just go for a walk Um, I'm lucky in a sense that I live in an area that's uh, quite safe so I can go outside with without a device and not feel like I'm going to get abducted or something Mm -hmm. because I know a lot of people do rely on their phone for emergency situations and it's hard to disconnect you feel naked without it and stuff like that but for me um, I'm comfortable with the like going without a cell phone outside and walking around and that sort of thing. But I think um, also what helps me is just finding some, uh, if I can say, creative therapy um, in in other things that are offline. So like watercoloring in my spare time, or I have recently started getting into bullet journaling, which makes me sound like ultimate basic, but I'm late on the game. Like it's, it's so much more fun than I thought. And I'm in no, I'm by no means like a very like artsy person, but Mm -hmm. it just gives me something to do. Like um, that's not on my phone. And especially if I feel like, um, there's pressure for me to post things at a certain time or by a certain date. Uh, that's kind of when I feel like, oh, okay, like I need to take a step back and uh, just do something else. And um, I think that 
another tip I, w- I would have for myself is also just um, honestly, just not sleeping, uh, not sleeping near my phone. Um, oh, wow, yeah. yeah, like waking up in the morning, usually within the uh, first 15, 20 minutes of waking up, I try not to touch my phone other than to turn off, get up and turn off my alarm clock. Mm-hmm. But uh, even before bed, um, I think for me, at least it's been really um efficient and more at peace for me to not like be scrolling through LinkedIn or uh, watching YouTube videos or, uh, or going on Instagram and stuff like an hour before bed, because it would just constantly uh, remind me of things that I um, want to look up or because of the abundant amount of information on there, I'd be like curious into reading things or watching things. And it opens a rabbit hole and it affects my sleep schedule too, for, for quite a number of years. So I think like by kind of knowing like when to separate um, time from my phone for rest is uh, a really, really key factor for me um, because my mind's just always constantly running for some, for some reason, but uh, I hope I'm not the only one that's like that. But I think those are some tips. Yeah. Like disconnect, set uh, scheduled reminders to take breaks, go outside without your phone once in a while, find offline hobbies and uh, yeah, don't use your phone before bed. That's probably what I would suggest. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much, Jen. No worries. Like the the bullet journaling, I could definitely relate to like all the things that you've touched um, points about. Oh, I'm glad. The bullet journaling. It's funny because (laughs) that's such a big community that does it, and it's it's crazy how in depth they go into all like. Girl, I tell you, I'm on Amazon, like buying water, like buying markers for I don't know what reason. When I have like eighty already, I'm like, oh, true, and the themes each month, and I'm like, okay, does this? Oh my gosh, yeah. But um, if you ever want to like consume time and try to be productive, I think that's a really fun thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, when you also talked about going to bed, um, like trying to be away from your phone in the morning and in the evening I feel like um for me I always try to do that and I have trouble doing it because I end up like always talking to my boyfriend before bed or oh true yeah, true. So it's like I always end up being on um on the phone and then falling asleep on the phone or oh that's like that. cute see I can't relate to that because I'm single as a Pringle so who knows maybe one day I'll be also on my phone late at night but for now yeah it's easier to uh, shut that off um uh, Jen could I ask uh when you were in school um how is that like did you feel did you ever feel like you were overworking yourself doing I know you were in extracurricular activities as well and like did you work and do school and do extracurriculars all at the same time um, I'm glad that you actually brought this up. I, I recently visited um, our old school and it's so nice now and modernized and everything. It brought back a lot of memories. And to be honest, it did bring back um, a feeling of not only like excitement and like gratitude that I felt, but it also brought back a lot of memories of damn, that was a really rough period of my life because right, yeah. yeah, like it's just like, I know I'm not the only one where it's school is just so much, so much pressure, so much work on yourself. But mm-hmm. I think um, for me during those times, I, I definitely did feel uh, overworked. And, but that's also where I found that I, um, 
I knew I needed to balance myself better. And that's when I started to um, join the club. So even though it added more pressure, it actually helped relieve some of the schoolwork for me. And uh, to answer your question, I did uh, work multiple part-time jobs during university. I actually have, to be honest, uh, I've been working since I was 14 years old, like consistently all the way till now, like uh, so many different retail jobs. But um, during uni, what I did to try to help uh, balance my schedule and especially living away from home, I I lived um, in dorms as well as renting off campus is I found uh, jobs on campus too. So in my last year of school, I, I worked at the U of T career center as a marketing events assistant. So like that was like kind of like, okay, I'm yes, I'm working and, and trying to, make some money, but um, it's also on campus and convenient for where my uh, extracurricular board meetings could be, where my lectures could be. So I really did try to map out um, the distance and the the capacity of what each type of uh, work I would need to do. And like, by no means am I saying that I mastered it or I I executed everything perfectly. But Mm -hmm. to me, when it felt so difficult, it really, um, uh, it really took a toll on, uh, on like my sleep schedule, mm-hmm. my commitment to social activities and, and, and that sort of thing. But it also really taught me a lot and I'm glad that I went through it. And that's also the time that I started journaling more. I started going to the gym more. It made me feel like, okay, everyone's got the same amount of time in a day and I can sit here and wallow in, you know, burnt outness and stuff like that, or I can find ways on how I can exert this, uh, uh, this, uh, these worries I have, or this really tired state and just reflect and be like, okay, what's going to help calm me down or what's going to bring me joy where I don't really have to try so hard. And so that's kind of where the physical exercise and just calling friends and and that sort of thing and journaling uh, really came into play during those times of study, because you're right, it it was a lot, um, a lot to do at once, especially when you're pretty young, like, I don't know, I look back and I'm like, wow, how do we all get through like right. school and like, oh my gosh, adult adulting is like a whole nother thing. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It feels like it like reflecting back on it, it feels so crazy because you're like, oh, how did I even do all those things that I did? Cause I I feel like when quarantine started and everything kind of just shut off well like for me it kind of shut off and and then I started panicking because I was like oh my gosh like what do I do now but then I learned how to oh I guess we don't really have to do that much to I don't know to feel like you're still right yeah yeah, like the difference you can really uh feel the contrast in doing and doing nothing at all from I know and that's so true and you actually reminded me of a meme my friend said me it was like something along the lines of I used to go out five days a week that's Mm -hmm. so excessive and I laughed so hard because I'm like wow that's true Mm -hmm. but um yeah it's uh I'm, I'm really, it's tricky for those that are in school right now, or they had to graduate during like quarantine oh and very right? like, I can't imagine the, uh, the extra stress of just taking exams online and that like, you know, anxiety triggering type of moments where it's like, did I submit this on time? Like, and you overwork yourself more when you're at home, at least that's how I feel because it's like mm-hmm. your laptops in front of you. Before you were telling me that it's been kind of difficult working for for home oh sorry from home for you um could you could you chat a little bit more about that if you feel comfortable 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, I know working from home varies for everyone and uh, everyone's situation is different. But for me personally, like working from home, it's been about almost six months of continuous work from home. And yeah, like in the beginning, I was like, okay, this is fun. I can work my PJs. I can, you know, eat breakfast uh, fully and not worry about commute and taking the, the TTC subway and having to look a certain way and be presentable in meetings and stuff. But I mean, gradually I realized, wow, the power of uh, seeing people in person and especially uh, close colleagues and, and, and different departments and stuff, it actually makes a really big difference when it comes to projects or um, like conflict resolution. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because, yeah, like I felt like in person, it's just a lot more easier to explain things uh, or or to be uh, guided or trained on things. And um, I work in a traditional bank and even though we're one of the leading banks in the digital space, it's still um, it's still difficult for uh, different generations of people and different uh, lines of work to adjust to a more virtual setting. So it definitely did take some adjustments. And for me, at least, like I think even with our program, I kind of coined it as like the millennial business tech program because it just seems so like, you know, um, really new and, and we can adapt to it. And we're from a different generation as well. So mm-hmm. um it's okay but for me it was it was kind of nice in the beginning and then there were some days where I felt like oh man I really miss the office or I wish I could just sit next to my coworker and watch how they did it and so I can learn faster like there are some things times where I felt that but overall working from home has been a generally positive experience I'm really thankful that my company really values uh, health and well-being so we did like get extra credits and stuff like that to um, beef up or sorry, or strengthen our office uh, setup so I got like a better chair I got like another monitor and so wow. they've been yeah they've been very accommodating but even then there are times where I still just uh, really miss the hustle and bustle of just going to work and seeing friends and mm-hmm. um, just being in, like the downtown financial district area. It, it um, gives me a really a big sense of like joy and just kind of like, I, I feel like I used to um, uh, just feel like a lot more like productive, like mm-hmm. at home has been productive as well. But to your point about how do you feel working from home and is it, is it overwork? I definitely feel like I work a lot more hours um, at home because I kind of feel like maybe the expectation on myself is like, well, I'm technically saving about two hours every day from not commuting. So I guess those two hours I can use it to work more. Yeah. And so um, it's it's hard to shut it off. And on my office desk, like my personal computer is here as well as like my uh, workstation, as well as my makeup vanity. So it's like everything is, is kind of all commingled together. Mm-hmm. And I, I definitely... Um, don't work uh don't work from home like in my bed or on a couch that's just my opinion because I just felt like when I do that it makes me feel like um I'm not working as much or it makes me feel like oh okay I can like watch Netflix or something or take a nap instead but um I definitely have it more um segregated now uh than where I should be relaxing which is like in bed and on the couch is where I should not really be working Mm -hmm. and um I don't know if it's like a psychological thing but I just kind of feel like I want to keep my workspace in the in the corner office area of my room and then just kind of have it at that because I don't have like a separate room for my office it's it's in the same room as my bedroom so um yeah work from home has been uh, definitely uh a lot of self-learning and kind of like when to when to turn off that switch yeah Yeah. oh that's awesome that's awesome that your work was able to like help you 
like I guess feel more comfortable in your at-home office now yeah yeah they, yeah. yeah yeah and then you also found a way to like separate kind of relaxing versus from working like your stations yeah like it's yeah. it definitely um takes a lot of fiddling around and mm-hmm. um yeah I know everyone's situation is different yeah. so uh, yeah I'm really grateful to finally after however many months figure it out because <laughs> I was uh, working f- I was I was working from home in my pjs on my bed for quite quite some time <laughs> yeah yeah it's hard not to like want to do that because you can right yeah yeah that's so funny um <laughs> do you think uh do you think that we'll be working from home for a, a while like for a couple of years so I've heard a lot of people talk about how long it will last because of everything that's going on Anna. yeah what are your thoughts on that yeah that's a good question I actually talked to my team about that pretty recent because we got an email that stated that we likely will be working from home indefinitely until the beginning of 2021 at least wow. and to me it's kind of like wow like it just seems so far away but then like also not because it's already almost September so it's like okay. even with everything going on in the world and the uncertainty of the vaccine the testing and the spread of, of the pandemic it's it's definitely um uh, a really um uneasy and uh, uncontrollable thing almost like it's it's just like this like eerie cloud that you can't really get away from especially with everything happening in the news um and stuff like that too but yeah my workplace did say that we would be working from home until at least January 2021 and I think um it's it's a good idea at least for um like my team and my department because we're not a really a big team and um how our office was set up is like it's kind of more like they consider it like an ecosystem or like hotel stations so we never really had our own permanent desk anyways it was just kind of like first come first serve um in an open office so um i think for us it, it makes sense for us to work from home and um a lot of us were commuters so we didn't live in the city so um it just makes more sense but definitely I, I i don't know how everything's gonna phase out and um like i don't i i, I don't have any clear predictions but i just uh i'm just staying optimistic and uh i'm glad that the government is like taking pretty good precautions i'd say in canada at least yeah. to um to really uh try to bring down some of these numbers yeah i know i agree mm-hmm. yeah i i also think like um for people that I've been talking to that have been working from home, uh, they were like, wow, it's crazy because some of the things that we did pre-COVID, um, we could have done working from home in the first place. Oh, that's that makes sense. Point. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. like, wait, we could be this productive working from home and not waste time yeah. um, looking for meeting rooms or you know, stuck in traffic and stuff. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a really good point. Yeah. Do you find that... Um, since you can't see your coworkers in person that you've been doing like more phone calls or more like screen sharing and using that type of technology to like help out with um the lack of like physical uh yeah yeah physical that that's such a that's such a good question because um I even look at the beginning of the work from home phase till now. And Mm -hmm. since then, the company and the department has shifted gears completely. I think they even like 
um, upgraded their, their server or like bandwidth and everything like that. The connectivity is a lot more smoother, but there definitely, definitely is an increase in the number of share screen demonstrations, uh, transition from whether it be Skype or Business Link to Microsoft Teams for, um, for uh, more opportunities to, let's say, play games, have group video calls, or just even um, have touch bases that are not totally work related, just to see how everyone's doing. Um, I think that for my team, at least, we definitely have been utilizing the tools for um, online sharing, uh, video calls, conferences, and um, like just being more on top of what we're all doing and making sure that there's this strong communication, um, whether that be like even just 15 minute team huddles daily, that's something we didn't have before. But with it, it's kind of like, okay, we know who's on track and, and and what's going on still. And, you know, there are different types of planners and stuff in place. And it is still summer as well. So people do go and take staycations, time off work to spend it with their loved ones. So we still need this sense of communication but I think personally I really love the the online tools that we have and I think that this is like this is the way to go because there are some people who and, and I, I used to strongly be like this I feel really uncomfortable in, in in-person meetings and doing demonstrations or like um d- different things where it required like a like a big audience and mm-hmm. like the by doing it online now and to um, share a presentation or do a walkthrough demonstration uh, through potentially stakeholders um, that are uh, from different work streams or even global and to do it online like this now, I think it's, I think it's fantastic because for people who are not comfortable with in person or, you know, there may be a physical constraint or something. This is the perfect time for them to shine and really showcase and and uh, present themselves uh, yeah. virtually comfortably. Like I think it's great. Like people who um, are a lot more shy in person, I feel like they're actually a lot more vocal during these um, online calls and <laughs> conferences. I'm like, yes, speak your mind. Like perfect. Like this is awesome because you know it's kind of intimidating sometimes in in person meetings if their VP is present or director or you know senior management. It's like can you really talk about like not everyone feels comfortable talking about issues and um, you know, constraints that they face, but if it's, if it's digital or sorry, virtual, it's kind of like, well, I don't really, I don't really see a reaction. So I'm yeah. fine. I can say it and, and it, or, you know, you can kind of be like, Oh, I can't hear you. The connection is kind of broken. Like, <laughs> you know, there's some, there's some things you can, um, yeah, like yeah. <laughs> fiddle around with when you're online, but versus yeah. in person, it's like, well, I just bombed that presentation, but yeah, <laughs> I've definitely used the, oh, my Skype's cutting out like a few times when it got awkward. Yeah. Wow. That's <laughs> but I crazy. Like it. Yeah. I love mm-hmm, how you I brought know. that up because um, me and my partner at work, um, she's very vocal in person and I, and not as digital, like tech savvy, but for me, I'm kind of the opposite. I'm more I'm more of like a listener and like I'll speak up, but not real, not if like I don't have to. And I, and then I'm more tech savvy than she is. So when it's funny because when, when we had like online meetings, I was, I felt actually very comfortable speaking <laughs> online, as yeah. you said, but then for her, she didn't feel comfortable at all going to like an <laughs> online networking event. And oh, I was like, Oh, that's yeah. crazy. Like she just feels more comfortable being in person and, mm-hmm. and, talking that way so it's really funny (laughs) that you brought that up (laughs) so Jen one of my last questions I did want to ask about your account genuine taste can you um talk more about that 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I'd be glad to talk about that. So Genuine Taste is an Instagram handle, and slowly it's become kind of part of um, one of the uh, joyful things that uh, my sister and I get to do together. Um, it's a page that we started together, just documenting different restaurants that we visited or just like um, different places that we've been to and we can look back on. And I think what really um, inspired us to create that page is we really – wanted to do a blog for a long time both of us are really into like that type of um that type of platform and so we just bought a domain off of wordpress and called it genuinetaste.com wrote some articles about different things um in our in hamilton or toronto mainly um that were more food related and from that we just started doing like documented stories essentially and um we were reached out by a vietnamese canadian newspaper company called Bao media it's pretty big in the uh, community and they um do lots of different things like it's a newspaper so there's politics there's food there's fashion there's health and wellness and they reached out to us about maybe um i want to say uh, about six or seven months in of us just um consistently uh, sharing posts and uh, uh, different types of things to our feed that are more food related. That's kind of what um, inspired the name Genuine Taste. We tried to combine both of our names, Jen and Tash, in the JT. They reached out to us specifically to do a segment on food, specifically food in Toronto, because this newspaper company was based in Toronto, but uh, they do um, sell their publications across Canada. So we have some presence in like Vancouver and uh, Edmonton as well mainly, which is where the yeah, where like the Vietnamese population is a little bit more dense. Um so we wrote the articles. My sister and I we growing up in Hamilton there wasn't a lot of um, Vietnamese or even Asian people around as much. So we, we didn't really know like how to approach this. And it was kind of formal in the sense where there was a contract and everything. We're like, what are we getting ourselves into? What are the asks of this? And so um, since it's a, like a small publication company, we asked them what are the requirements. And they actually really wanted to move in a digital um, in a digital uh, space with their, uh, with their uh, news sharing. And specifically, they wanted to create a website for uh, digital copies of their newspaper online. And they said, you know, um, given some of your, I guess, um, uh, separate interests and passions, would you be interested in showcasing food in Toronto, writing about it in English, and potentially making a two or three minute video about your time? And I said, and we said, well, this is actually pretty interesting. Like it's, it's a fresh approach to, um, what they wanted to do and even though it's it's uh is something that seems kind of like random for us it was like well this actually might help us with our page and this actually could just be another platform or tool really where we can better enhance like our photography skills our writing skills communications to like stakeholders partners like we kind of saw it as like okay this is an opportunity, why would we not take it? And why would we not try to give back to the community that our parents raised us on? Like that was the kind of mindset we had and we're like, okay, um, this is still like an Instagram account. That's just for fun between two sisters, just like, just um, taking photos of food essentially and, and going to different restaurants and stuff. And we're like, we're not doing anything that's different from that. So this is still kind of quote unquote on brand or um, what, we, what we're trying to build. And so we went with it and um, yeah, we've been in a contract with this uh, newspaper company for almost uh, a year and a half now. And it's been a really great experience. Yeah, we learned so much. And we, I honestly, 
I see the page kind of more as a, a, a brand, uh, if I can say that, in a sense where we want everything to to be um, to be cohesive with each other. Like if it's something, if we get approached sometimes from small businesses uh, uh, with like different opportunities. And uh, if it's not really in line with like food or lifestyle, then we wouldn't really go for it. Like some products could be like kind of more health related, but it has no relevance to us. So mm -hmm. we, we wouldn't, we wouldn't, we wouldn't accept a free product if it doesn't align with, you know, genuine and taste. <laughs> like it's, it's, we're really trying to keep it with the, with the food, but um, we're not squared into that niche specifically we kind of just see ourselves more as um i guess like just uh like just local like local supporters for different things that, that we also agree with but it, it kind of leans on like the food or the production of food or um some sort of like media news outlet if i can say um that like we're, we're really trying to stick with that um well just like just being honest with with uh, our reviews and stuff like that but uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun and we don't take it too seriously. Like we don't get caught up on like, okay, how many likes did this get? Or will people like this? It's kind of more like, okay, do we like this? Is this kind of on brand of what we're doing? And is this buzzing right now? <laughs> we're always trying to find the hype. It's so bad. Like Blog TO is my enemy and also my best friend at the same time. So I'm like, damn, they found this before we did. And um, yeah, so we're always like, oh, we want to like get on the hype. But I think the main thing with that Genuine Taste page is that because not a lot of our personal friends, um, like our personal friends and family do follow us, but it, it, our biggest audience uh, for that page is mainly people that are also in the food industry. So other food bloggers um, in mainly in like um, the US or Canada that we follow and follow us back because uh, it's a whole community of like, wow, I can't wait till we get to travel again. I would love to visit there. So it's really, really um, opened uh, our eyes and our network to people who are in similar things on Instagram and it's I really see it as something separate than like my personal life sometimes because it's like it's, it's like oh we're, like, we're chatting with people that we've never met before but yeah. we all share the same thing in common so it's uh it's it's a really really fun community I'm really really happy about it wow that's awesome I think that's really cool that you don't even uh, really care about like the likes and and the followers and stuff like that and you actually are more catered to what you and your sister like and how I think that's key like though that. like for sure yeah, yeah. I think that's key I, I don't really consider myself like a strong content creator but mm -hmm. just some of my friends who, who really did establish like their their brand or um their uh, quote unquote influencer game like there uh, there are some people that I've uh, talked to and some friends as well and I think it all really just starts with like a genuine passion like yeah. I think even with um with everything that you're working on in your personal uh life and and like your hobbies like you know the local fest like, I'm so astonished and, and admirable of that and I think it all like these type of projects just start from like a genuine like interest like because you have this curiosity putting time into it it doesn't seem like it's time that's like oh am I wasting my time doing this or you know I'm losing sleep over this is this worth it I think if you like it and you're you're like honestly like 
interested and passionate about it it's 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 worth it and that and that's going to speak volumes and i think get get things across and slowly over time if you continue that passion i think that's where if i can say you know success is defined differently by everyone but i think that's where you really see successful or, or actionable things that come out of these passions these little little like sparks of joy mm-hmm. it's it's like crazy because like all the, a lot of people that I've talked to, they're like, yeah, I, I didn't take this seriously, but yeah. once I just kind of like kept doing it and I kept enjoying it, somehow um, it started growing on its own and, and you put more work into it. You, you're curious and sharpening your skills to better improve it because you're like, I want this to keep growing because mm-hmm. it genuinely makes me happy. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Oh man, yeah. that's so awesome! Thank you so much. Uh-huh. For <laughs> oh no, I'm I'm super super thankful and I'm glad that um you created this space where I feel comfortable to share and and um I really enjoy uh, the topics that you have on each of your podcasts and I know you're only gonna um grow this and and however long you decide to do it till I, I'll be there to support for sure. Oh, thank you so much, Jen. I'm here to support you as well. Like it's funny that you say that you like you were nervous to talk on the podcast and that you don't see yourself as a content creator and (laughs) this and that but to me my lens and like my perspective on you was so was the complete opposite like I see you as such a confident person and like oh very creative and everything so it's like it's crazy um how your perspective on yourself is completely different I know it's my therapist knows it's my biggest battle like just uh, I think we ourselves are all our own worst critic but um I think it's uh just being around friends like you who are really truly supportive and kind of um are vocal about these affirmations and it slowly I'm starting to accept it more but I know a lot of things um I'm in denial of but I I think slowly getting better with age but I really really appreciate you saying that and your confidence and um your um like your modesty is always always something I admire and like it it keeps it keeps pushing me for sure honestly yeah oh Thanks, Jen. Um, before we end off our episode, are there ways that our listeners can help follow and support you? Um, and what, like, I guess what your, would you like to share your personal page? Oh, yeah, sure. Like, that'd be awesome. I'm always um, open-minded to meeting new people. And especially if you're Erica's listener or friends, like, I would love to connect with you because um, I'm pretty sure you're an, a very awesome person. But you can check me out. <laughs> you can check me out on my personal Instagram. It's at Jennifer Dow, two N's, one F for the Jennifer, and then D-A-O. Uh, that's my personal Instagram where um, I post more lifestyle. And when it comes to more uh, food-curated content or uh, restaurants in the city and that sort of exploration, it's a Genuine Taste, at Genuine Taste. So it's uh, at J-E-N-U-I-N-E-T-A-S-T-E. And we also have a website with that as well, www.genuinetaste.com. And um, there's also like a contact email page as well. So I'm always down to meet new people. And um, uh, I'm, again, just really thankful to be on this podcast. And I look forward to hearing more episodes from uh, Speak Up. Thank you, Jen. Yay. Awesome. Yay. Thank you. (laughs) Bye, everyone. Take care. Stay safe.